1: And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Well, I'm pleased to have on the show today
0: Jennifer Conweiler. She is an international speaker, an executive coach, and an author who specializes in developing and coaching introverted leaders. Her first book, The Introverted Introverted Leader, Building on Your Quiet Strength, has sold over 20,000 copies and has been translated into six languages, including Chinese and, and Spanish. That book was also named a top 20 leadership book on Amazon and a staff pick by CIO Magazine. I'm excited to talk about this, I consider myself an introvert as well, so Jennifer, how are you today?
2: Oh, Richard, I'm great, I'm great, and, I, and I'm glad to hear your excitement, that always makes these interviews go well.
0: <laughs> well, this is the only book, and I've seen it, and I've, I've read your blog, and, and, it's, and it's exciting, uh-huh. because again, because I consider myself an introvert, I'm very uncomfortable in, in big Public settings. Even though I am a public speaker, it's kind of a weird dichotomy, right? But I enjoy public speaking. But gosh, you get me uh-huh. in a room like at a Christmas party, I am so uncomfortable. I just want to yeah. be, you know, be by myself and and go into a book. Mm-hmm. So, talk to me about what prompted you to write the Introverted Leader, or why are you so passionate about introverted leadership?
2: Well, there's a number of reasons, uh, Richard, for that. You know, I was motivated. I was working in fields of uh, leadership, HR, those kinds of areas in companies for so long, and I would notice that in the classes that I taught and the coaching that I did that, uh, the introverted leaders were really challenged. They were overlooked oftentimes for, for promotions and opportunities and you know I saw a pattern of this being misunderstood and, and people just didn't understand them. You know, there was a lot of, of uh, bias I would say even. And so when I started really delving into the topic, I found that, you know, there are a tremendous amount of introverts, in fact, you know, who are successful and, and you know, forty percent of executives and you know, over half our population is introvert, and I thought, what are we boy, what are we losing? by not tapping in to the talents around us. So, um, you know, and, and and I tell folks that, that that's really what got me started. But the truth is, I have you know, been married to an introvert, as I say in, the bo- in my book, The Introverted Leader, for, uh, you know, now we're going to have our 40th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, if I don't want to end up like, you know, one of those couples in the uh, local coffee shop <laughs> with nothing to say to each other, <laughs> being, being more extroverted myself, I thought, well... I better figure this guy out, and so I've been uh, continuing to try to do that over the years. So it's it's both from a personal and a professional standpoint. That, How uh,
0: funny! I've been that is... really
2: jazzed about this topic.
0: So so th- learning to fi- try to figure out your husband is kind of what got you down this path—that's a great story.
2: Isn't that a motivator for a lot of us? <laughs> we got to figure them out, right? And yeah. you know, I used to think that Bill was uh, was purposely uh, trying to be, you know, shun me when he would close his door. He'd send me an email instead of talking to me from the next room, you know. And uh, I started to think early on in our marriage that, oh, well, maybe he's, uh, you know, it's personal. But then I learned that, you know, wow, I figured out that he was an introvert, and I learned about the quiet that introverts need, that, you know, the solitude and all those things. And it became less of a judgment and more like, okay, I need to accept this.
0: yeah. Oh, that's great! And
2: also embrace it, you know. And yeah. so I think that really had translations to the uh, to the business world, where I, you know, I was noticing that when teams would do that, when they would really stop and, and bring out the the innees, if you will, on the team, and not see them as something wrong with them. That uh, you know, managers who would really cater to letting their quieter folks, you know, get some time to prepare and these kinds of things that would you know, better their strengths then you would see really great results. And uh, so that's what we're seeing now is people become more aware of this whole uh, whole area of introversion in the workplace.
0: Yeah, a couple things I want to share with you and see what, what you have to think. You know, personally, I shared with you a little bit in the pre-interview when we were talking here, but early on in the Marine Corps, and I, right out of college, I got in as a Marine Corps officer, and we went to a six-month infantry school. And it was a competitive school. D- depending on how you do at the end of that six month course, it you know, determined what you were going to become in the Marine Corps. You know, go in infantry or a lawyer or wherever you're going to be. In my case, I was a, a pilot. So it's competitive, and, and you judge everybody judges themselves. They do peer evaluations. And you do one in that first um, 30 days. So everybody kind of knows each other for three to four weeks. And then you get called in a room and you get read what everybody thinks about you. Very revealing and very kind of painful process. Yeah. And in the beginning, it was funny how everybody who was in the top, say three to five, were all these larger than life, charismatic extroverts.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And at the bottom were all the introverts, and so that's where I ended up. It was funny though. At the end of the six months, there was almost a shift. Not there was. You know, there every now and then there's a diamond who has it all, the charismatic, who does lead from the heart and everything else but there was a shift. A lot of those introverts went up to the top, and a lot of those extroverts went down to the bottom. Have you seen stuff like that before?
2: Yeah, that's really interesting that you say that, because I think on first impressions, we're more used to, I think, comfortable in our workplaces with the take-charge kind of guy. And, of course, that depends on, or gal, I should say, that depends on the workplace that you're in and the culture. But you're absolutely right, because really what it's about, Richard, is really results, right? Right. And... You know, it's not the the loud, brassy ones necessarily who are going to get them. I think there might be a lot of talk, but not action. You know, I think about the meetings that a lot of us have attended, and you know, you'll find the the, ex, some of the extroverts who don't have a, didn't do a lot of preparation, and they're you know they're kind of blowing a lot of hot air. You know, and the right, introverts right. will will tell you that, or people will say, well, they didn't really say anything, and this one person who was the quieter one, you know, will speak up towards the end of the meeting and they'll just summarize what's been said or they'll kind of come in with this really cogent, you know, penetrating remark that everybody's like sits back and they're like, okay, we didn't need all these words and all this kind of grandstanding, as you say, to express it. So I, I think that's exactly what I've seen in the workplace, what you're describing is, um, you know, it's, it's, it, there's not one way to lead. I think the introverts will tell you that it helps them to shake it up a little bit to be more expressive. I mean, I think we have to use what works for us, but clearly there is a bias towards, um, as you experience, towards the the louder types, if you will.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's there's all types of leadership. There's there's tons of ways to skin a cat, but I, I agree with you that I've seen, including myself, when and it's difficult in those meetings when you've got some of those more Type A personalities and and trying to communicate and, and yeah. get it done, and and um, what's refreshing is that you don't have to necessarily get discouraged. There are ways to to deal with that, so um, one thing I was going to mention, too, is in, I just thought about this example. We did an offsite at, at a company I worked for, and, and all the management staff, you know, and everybody pulls away. They bring in a consultant, and everybody, you know, learns more about themselves. And the first thing that she did, this consultant, she gave us a communication survey, kind of like a Myers-Briggs, but just Mm -hmm. more simple, right? And um, it was funny, you can sell, they tell you, you know, be completely honest, and then, and it was supposed to highlight your communication, your leadership style. And so there were 10 of us managers, and it was funny when she collected them all, and I was the first one, that they put the results up, you know, and I fit in this square. And where I fit was obviously in the more introverted, the more quiet. I like to have one-on-one meetings. I'm more empathetic. And it was funny when you read the questions, though, and even I was drawn towards this. That the you could tell that the answer was this is what I this perceived of what I want to be. This and it was all the charismatic, larger-than-life figure. And it was okay. funny. And it was funny how when uh, they posted everybody's results up there, everybody. Said that they were this, you know, extrovert, go getter type A. And what was funny is like, not everybody really was. You could tell that that's what they wanted to be.
1: Yeah. And it yes. was funny
0: how we, we actually, you know, it was pretty, we razzed each other pretty good and we were like, you're not that way, you're more this way. So it just kind of highlights to me how this, there's such this draw and this perception that we have to be this big, larger than life figure to be a successful leader.
2: Well, you know, I think that's true, and the good news about all of the books now and media attention that's coming out about introversion in society and also in the workplace is that I'm finding with my readers, let's say, of The Introverted Leader and with the new book, Quiet Influence, people are interested in in it because um, it validates that it's okay to be that way. And, you know, I suspect that as we go on with tests like that and assessments in, in workplaces, Um, we may see a shift in people not beating themselves up um, and and saying it's okay, you know, to be that way. Like I have a new assessment I developed for this book called the QIQ, the Quiet Influence Quotient. And what it helps you to do is to figure out, you know, what behaviors are working for me and what are not. So it really breaks it down like that. And I think once we can look at, you know what's effective and not effective then we we don't get into like beating ourselves up. It's, right. Again, I go back to it's about results. It's yep. like what you know what are you doing to get results? You um you mentioned earlier about public speaking, Richard, and you know interestingly enough, a lot of introverts will tell you that they are they're not totally comfortable, but they have developed a high, much higher comfort level and skill in that area because they've consciously worked at that uh at that effort you know of, of becoming a better speaker, because it works for them, they get results, and they must do it right so uh it's really interesting that you mentioned public speaking,
0: yeah, I love to do it i mean, it's it's weird, I could never figure it out because again i <laughs> I go into a a room and I, people I can even know I can go to a class reunion and I will be so uncomfortable
2: yes yes but and and that's right that's the social area and that you'll hear that a lot from introverts that that thing that probably makes them the most anxious is that networking yeah. time because you know they're you're not really sure what's going to happen you know you sort of have to think on the fly people invade your personal space particularly the extroverts right. um, but you know a lot of performers and people that are in that field of being out there in the public are truly introverts in fact most comedians, most actors
3: yeah. um,
2: are Introverts, and what that tells us is that they really do put on a persona, so you may be doing the same thing, you know acting as if has now become very natural for you, and then you can step out of your role when you get off the stage
0: right, you know you even said it was interesting um you had a list, and I was reading that you know the opening of one of your blogs, or even at the beginning of the book, I can't remember which one it was, but it's even thought that Obama was an introvert. Which kind of surprised me. But then the more I think about it, I guess I'm not surprised.
2: Yeah, in fact, you, you know Richard, I, I think I definitely think he is. I thought so a few years ago when I first wrote my book, um, uh, and and it was funny. I was talking about him in speeches, and then some people said to me, you know, you really when you talk, when you give speeches, you really shouldn't use political figures. <laughs> you know, it could be very controversial. <laughs> so I kind of dropped Obama out of there. But I'm so fascinated by him because, you know, and also if you look at other presidents, I mean, if you think about you know George Bush and Clinton. Um, you know, more extroverted personality. Yeah, sure. yeah. A young woman the other day in a class that I was teaching on this topic uh, said to me, um, it, We were talking about leaders that people admired. These are emerging leaders in the class. And she said, Well, Hillary Clinton is my definition of an introverted leader. And if you think about it, you know, that's probably true. I mean, she's, qu- she's not. You know, extremely quiet. But she's kind of calm. She's low key. compared to her to her husband, yeah, you know, you're right in that regard. Um, and, and back to Obama. I mean, I think one of the things that Obama has done well is that he's very thoughtful. He doesn't overreact. You know, in his in his demeanor, um, and in his countenance. Where he's been criticized is uh, in that he has not been uh, socializing and schmoozing. You know, he was even asked that in a press conference recently. Well. You know, do you feel feel now that your daughters are growing up, you're going to get out there and and spend more time on the hill, you know? And uh, I can't remember what his exact answer was, but I didn't get the sense he was going to go out there and start partying. You know, that's just not his nature. He's a a more private person. Yeah. So it's interesting to look at some of our leaders through that lens.
0: Yeah, it is. You know, I think that um, my aha moment, I think, and you reference it in your book, too, was on chapter five on Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. I've read that chapter so many times, but that, to me, um, really kind of encapsulates the the potential for this or how successful an introverted leader can become. And even Jim Collins even says in his book he wasn't even looking for that and just, wow, this is kind of when we started looking at these great companies, all the great leaders all shared that kind of self-effacing, but they were very competitive and passionate, but they were competitive and passionate for... The results, the company, or the people.
2: The results. You know, I had a chance a couple of years ago to uh, meet uh, Jack Welch and his wife, Susie Welch, and I brought that up as I was working on my book, The Introverted Leader. I brought up Jim Collins' book, and I was very pleased to find that um, uh, for many of the listeners out there, you know, the nature um, that they describe of the leader being more humble and, you know, not grandstanding, like you were saying. Um, and they sort of poo-pooed the idea. You really? know, they thought, well, that's not what's going to work in corporate America, and that's not really true. But I really took issue with that. And I, and I think if you think about, uh, you know, Jack Welch, he's the antithesis of an introverted yeah. leader, right? Yeah. So, uh, and, you know, and, and the GE, where I worked for several years there, and I still do work with them, um, there are many successful introverted leaders. But then again, the culture doesn't always reward it in a company like that.
0: Right. That's interesting that Jack Welch kind of, I mean, I, I guess I'm not surprised, but... Um there are tons of examples of successful leadership in introvert you know the ones that really stand out for me you know the 10 years in the marine corps god they were just some of the quietest guys you would ever seen. but i yes. think i think what was what struck or or what was most um striking was that that you could tell that they weren't concerned about themselves they were so concerned about the people and the mission um, Yeah,
2: you know, I was researching this last book, I I looked at Tim Cook, because everybody always talked about, um, you know, Steve Jobs with Apple, and, you know, he also is so opposite, he's a real introvert, you know, and uh, one of the reporters who was profiling him early in his tenure, you know, talked about how um, he listened and he, you know, the reporters were so surprised because they were so used to... Jobs is more bombastic personality, you know, and so he would just listen and not push his ideas and then slowly and quietly state what he felt yeah and you from know, well, from the way things look, you know Apple's still <laughs> doing quite well, yes uh, and you know he was by the way with uh, Steve Jobs for a number of years and playing that balancing role, just like we see um other companies pairing introverts and extroverts, like uh you know for instance Mark Zuckerberg being a more quieter, more quiet, you know, sort of introverted leader. And then we have Cheryl Sandberg, who's a more out there person, who's his right hand person who poaches him and is more the face of the company at times. So it's real interesting to look at uh, through that lens.
0: So what advice do you have? So here we are, you're sitting in a boardroom, 10 to 12 people, a lot of large personalities. How can that introverted leader turn that W- perceived weakness into a strength? How can they overcome, or what, what steps can they take?
2: Well, you know, for me, when somebody once said to me, Richard, that the meeting doesn't happen in the meeting. You've probably experienced yeah. that. Mm-hmm. You know, the meeting happens before the meeting. It yeah. happens after the meeting. Correct. So in my mind, what, what introverted leaders do really well, and what I've seen them do in my mind, I would suggest it too to them, is to really focus on that, a, preparation that they do well, and B, focused conversations that can happen to discuss their cause, to understand what objections there are, to make you know, to create their position and how they're going to present it in the meeting, um, and to really basically win people over and connect with them outside the meeting. Yeah. Now, you know what I mean?
0: Yes, exactly. Um,
2: is, that what, is that what your experience was? Oh, yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, I spent most of them, you know, I can, can't tell you how many... One-on-one conversations I had, um, a lot of pre-selling and post-selling, I guess, and yeah, that that that's the story of my business life, really.
2: Um. So, so, but then again, you do end up in the meeting. So, what can you do then? Um, Well, a couple of tips there. I think it's really important to get there early. Yeah. You know that's counterintuitive for some introverts. They think I'm going to slip in and you know I'll sit on those chairs. You know that are around the table. Yep. (laughs) We know those, right? Where You kind of just slip in and then you're not part of the action. Well, seating is important. I mean, you want to have those people Definitely. who have the power, uh, the chairman, whoever's in charge of it, to have eye contact with you. You want to be within their line of vision. You don't want to be on the second ring. You know, and I find that that's something I have to coach my clients on is, is your positioning. And then another thing to do is, um, I mentioned it before the meeting, getting there early so you can have low-key Chats with people before, so you can get to know them. Yeah, um, And one more tip is to um, be sure to get your comments if there is an open discussion. Get your comments in um, or a comment in early in the meeting. Usually, it's the first five minutes I think I talk about in the introverted leader book. and that is that where you get your presence. You, you're kind of staking your claim. By people hearing you, yeah, and that's quite important because you know how later on it gets harder and harder to inter- interject as the meeting goes on.
0: Yeah, that's interesting you said about the position. One thing that I did—it's related to mm-hmm. that—get um, there early and sit. If it's a most boardroom tables are kind of oval shaped, you know, um, yeah, sit in the middle. And I think that that because you know, mm-hmm. and, and then uh, that was always a good spot, you know, because typically if you get there late, you're right, you end up in one of the kind of the. Isolated corners, or even worse, to the side. You know, the the chairs that are behind the boardroom. To you know, behind the boardroom.
2: And it, and you say that because it makes me think about a uh, an anecdote. I I, I had a uh, I was I was interviewing um, a woman who's the head of a uh, a college, um, and she was telling me about uh, a challenge she was having with the uh, a couple of the men on her team. You know, she was a technical college, so she was basically the only female I think there was one other and so she was also in, you know try, they were trying to intimidate her from that standpoint even though she was the president yeah. <laughs> of it. so she decided one time to do exactly what you were saying about the positioning and um, instead of sitting at the head of the table she faced her most aggressive uh, uh, team member directly head-on right and uh, it, you know, so she was sitting across from him not at the head of the table and she said that really made a difference, just that positioning face-to-face yeah. really put, made her, you know, created that power presence that she was really looking for. I thought that was a brilliant move. And she seemed. I saw her actually right after that happened, uh, and she was just feeling very pleased about how the meeting had gone differently, and she was heard more effectively. Yeah. And she was an re- introvert, you know, she's a real introverted leader. So I thought, boy, that was a smart move on her
0: part. It is. You know, one of the things introverts always have to do is is it seems to me it's always a constant battle of conquering of fear. But the reality is we all do that. We all – no matter if you're an extrovert or an introvert, you all have limiting – we all have limiting beliefs. We all are fearful. We're all insecure. I just think introverts seem to – it really – I know the extrovert uses that kind of larger-than-life persona to kind of defeat the insecurity. Introverts have to – seem like they have to work at it a little bit harder. Or am I off base on that?
2: Yeah, no, no, you're not. Are oh, you going to say off base? <laughs> um, no, I'm sorry. Co- complete your question. I oh, would was say, that?
0: am I off? Am I off base on that? Am I? Am
2: you off, Okay. Um, no, I think it's interesting that introverts perceive the extroverts as quite. This is in general. We're just generalizing. Sure, here, sure. See them as. seem See them as more confident than they really are. Yeah. I think when you really talk to extroverts, they have the same insecurities, Yes. um, but they don't come off that way, and so then the perception is that they're all confident. So, I I don't think we're that different in that way, but I find that um, what happens over time, you know, when you're not using a skill, you're not, let's say, speaking out at a meeting, going back to that one again, or you're not networking, um, or you're not, you know, having face-to-face time with your boss. After a while, what happens is you do lose confidence around that activity. Yes. Like anything else, you know, it's like a muscle. It gets <laughs> it doesn't get used, it becomes weak, and so I find that that can be correlated to lack of confidence. So you have to. That's why I have that four P's that you probably read about in yep. the book on an mm-hmm. in introverted leader, and then I did the six strengths in the new book and in Quiet Influence. Um. And what the four P's have have to do with is. You were, you were referencing it some there, Richard, and prepare is the first one. Yep. And then, uh, you know, and that's using the strength you already have. It's, yep. it's really taking the quiet time. It's figuring out your strategy for any of these leadership scenarios. And then the next one is to be in the moment, not to worry about the past or think about the future, but to really be with people when you're there, you know, to be focused on things that are changing so you can go with the flow, um, and that really is helpful. And then the one that you were just talking about was like pushing yourself, you know, stretching, getting out of your comfort zone, pushing just enough so that you feel it, but not too much, you know, so that you can continually improve, continually get better at, and more comfortable like you've become you know, in these situations. And that leads to practice, continuing to practice. So um, I think with breaking it down that way, it's not so overwhelming. And um, you can just be more comfortable in an extroverted workplace. And my hope is that we're going to dial it down some, because this is the time for us to rethink the way we are in our work cultures and not always have to be so aggressive and together in groups. I agree. Give people a chance to chill a little, don't you think? I
0: agree, 100%. What's that? I said I agree 100%. I think you're right. I mean, it's just the environments where where you're talking about where you can be in this more relaxed state and you know, and I'm not a a real touchy-feely guy, but gosh, you just, we don't have to be so loud all the time and I don't and that's that's really the action I'm talking about is loud. Sometimes it just seems too loud. I was actually consulted one time in a in a um performance review that I needed to be more bombastic, and that was the actual, actual word that was used.
2: Is that but, right?
3: Yeah,
0: and I said I can't. That's not me. I said. I, yeah. I, I, and 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 then he brought out an article and said, "Well, look, you know, sometimes you got to be a jerk." And I'm like, "No, no, you don't." No. no. And
2: no, no, no.
0: It was yeah, really... somebody
2: was talking about the the, push, the pressure on introverts recently, and they would say they keep thinking of that song, you know, "Put on a happy face," you know, and play loud music and all this stuff, and you know what I mean? It's but I think it is shifting now. I really do feel the shift. And I think for people who are working for managers like that, it's very challenging. Yeah. The culture is like that. And I think uh, going to places, a lot of technology companies I work with now are, do respect that more. They, they realize that autonomy and having downtime is important, not just technology, but many organizations. So it's, a, you know, it's looking for a place where you feel comfortable, where it's home for you, where you can actually work at home and have some autonomy. Or, oh, yeah. You know, go to some of these places. Um, they allow you to not to always be chained to your desk you know and, and kind of take a walk around the building every once in a while, so you can have some solitude and recharge
0: when I worked for a hotel company, we um hired a um oh an advertising agency to help work for our brand and so a lot of off sites with them and but gosh, when you walked into their office and they worked in a in um you know a lot of downtowns have an old town feel where the you know warehouse district that they they You know, now they got restaurants, and entertainment districts now. Well, that's what happened with our, that's that's Mm -hmm. what happened in the town that I live in. And they had this great eclectic office and, and you walk around, there's so much creativity and they're, you know, where they do their brainstorming sessions, there's bean bags and things to throw. And I thought, what a cool place (laughs) to work, you know, and, and why not? Why does it have to be, you know, like cubicle hell and everything's gray and, and so stuffy. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, you were talking about those four P's, prepare, presence, push, and practice. And I, I like, you're right. The prepare part is something that, as introverts, we're more comfortable with, you know, as long as you know yourself and, and know where you're at. And the presence thing, um, I don't know if this is more presence or push, but I think one thing that I found helped me when I started speaking, or at least helping me get noticed, and I know it's not about just getting noticed, it's about results, but, you know, trying to be heard. Is mm-hmm. when I had to give presentations, or I had to give summaries, or program reviews, I would try to avoid PowerPoints altogether, or if they were, mm-hmm. they were very minimal. And so I put the focus on me. If that makes any sense, is that something yeah. you think would be um, a tip for an introvert? A good. And, tip. and
2: what were you? Let me, to just follow that that further, what were you finding with the uh, the positive results of that of doing that?
0: I felt I was, um, you know, again, it's always about being heard and being listened to. I found out people were listening to me more, and then I yes. shifted that to even more in my presentation when I started, you know, when I do public speaking or I give presentations. I've gone completely away from PowerPoints, and that's when I started getting the really positive feedback about my presentations.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the best presentations, right. ever, you know. Th- that- and, and
2: that would definitely be leveraging your your strength as a conversationalist, given this phone call like we're having right now, you know, yeah. it's just relaxed. It's one-on-one or maybe a few people, small groups. Um, I think that's an excellent idea. And by the way, people, I'm out there a lot speaking and doing keynotes and seminars and um, audiences now, and I would say particularly your younger audiences, but even more than that, the wider range, people want to have a conversation. They don't want to be lectured to. Right. And so that really speaks to the rise of the introverts and in leveraging what you have and your quiet influence, and that's that's terrific that you've been doing that. And you're you're encouraging me. I'm going to do less PowerPoints from now on. Yeah,
0: well, they're so. E- <laughs> I know in the beginning I used them more because they seemed it was easy. It was almost like a crutch, you know. Yes, like you, crutch exactly. And it felt safe. Oh, I know what to say next, you know. <laughs> but but the more that you can get in tune with your audience. And this is just public speaking. This is just anything. In a meeting or even a one-on-one, the more that you can be you know, in tune with them, and that, it's a challenge. I mean, I think f- for anybody, but just to be in. And what
2: you just described, uh, Richard, was really a combination to me of presence and push because you were able to be in the moment with your audience, questions came up that you didn't know necessarily were going to be asked, the reactions, you feel the mood of the group. You know, every group is different. You have to pick up on the vibe of the group, right? Right. And so you were in the moment. You weren't worrying about that, and then you pushed yourself because that was different for you to do, and it's it's a bit risky when you haven't done it before. Yeah. Um So I think you were you were implementing both P's in that case. Yeah. <laughs> be practicing too, so there you go.
0: Yep. Well, I think one thing too, and you you talk about it in your in your first first book, the uh, practice is finding a coach and a mentor. That's another thing that's really helped me out along the way on the leadership front on on so many levels is finding good mentors and coaches. I can't emphasize that enough. What do you what do mm-hmm. you think about that?
3: Totally.
0: Have you had in how many do you have any I have so many mentors, it seems like I have too many sometimes, but... Um,
2: <laughs> well, you have every one of us who are on your podcast. Well, of
0: course. I've, you know, learning from everybody I interview in here, I, I look at them as, as coaches and mentors for sure. That was
2: a smart move to sign us up. Now we, we owe you one, right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs>
1: um, no, no, I,
2: I totally agree with you. I, You know, I always feel like you learn more, and I believe for myself, you learn more um, from watching people and um, talking with them and... Modeling yourself after them, you know. When I had my, I had two daughters, and I remember struggling as a young mom and like, what do I do? Am I mm-hmm. doing it right or wrong? And and a, fr- a good friend, a wise uh, mom who was a few years older than me said, you know, just, uh, just your kids are going to learn uh, so much and most by just watching how you conduct yourself, and don't worry so much about being a parent, but just being a good person. Mm. And I think as we mentor people, as we look for mentors, those are the kind of people we want to look for who are living with integrity, who have skills and strengths that we would like to learn. <laughs> Excuse me, and uh, and we will absorb those if we hang out with yeah. them. I-, I currently have a, a group that I work with—a mastermind group. Yeah, and that's a term that may have come up in some of your your podcasts. Yeah, and and that's great. It's it's speakers. Um, it's particularly for my speaking business. It's. But we're friends too, and we support each other. And I learn from them. and We help each other out, and so the, it, mentorship comes in so many forms. But I would encourage any of our listeners to, uh, to 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 go go after even one person and and just really observe and connect with them. Um, tell them how what what it is you would like to learn from them. Yeah. There's there's nothing worse than having somebody come up to you and say, "Well, there's probably more worse worse things, but it's it's not really comfortable when people come up and say, uh, "I'd like you to be my mentor." <laughs> Very vague, and you're right. You're not really sure what to do with that. Right. But if you know, like for instance, I'd like I'd like to really learn how you uh, how you get new clients, or you, or how do you deal with a, a a difficult employee? And I know you've done that before. And I'd like to learn that from you. Yeah. So mentorship really means learning. Yeah. Is, is that what you've experienced yeah, in, yeah, your, in your I think, work as well?
0: I, absolutely. I think that if um you get over the initial fear, like well, I don't want to bother them. Yeah, you're not going up and asking for their autograph. But I think if you go with a genuine heart, and a genuine interest, and a genuine need, I know I've been completely blown away of how you know people that I never thought I would talk to would say, "Well, yeah, I'll help you out." And yes. what a great yes. I mean, and if, and if you flip it around, I mean, they're no different than us. If someone came up to me and asked me, I would be more than happy to, you know. And I think that you know, if they're genuine folks that have genuine qualities and and, and integrity and people you'd want to be around you and you'd want to emulate you know that's probably my biggest advice is is don't be afraid to ask that person in a genuine thing you know you're not bothering them like paparazzi but if you genuinely want to learn how to become a better whatever go for it you know some may turn you down but you'd be surprised
2: absolutely
0: well tell me about the new book what's what's uh what's the impetus for the new book what's it about
2: well, the new book, I'm very excited. It's coming out April 15th is the launch date. It is available for pre-order now on, on Amazon and, most, and Barnes & Noble and the channels out there. And it's called Quiet Influence, The Introvert's Guide to Making a Difference. And really the, the big idea of the book is that introverts can be highly effective influencers when, when they use their natural strengths instead of trying to act like extroverts. And so uh, what I do in the book uh, is I highlight six strengths that I learned from my work with introverts and my research, and I look at how do they leverage those strengths um, to their advantage. So some of the things we talked about today, like taking quiet time and preparation and focused conversation, I even address in there a chapter on how they use social media to uh, be purposeful and to really uh, get their ideas across. So how do they make a difference, you know, have some sway, if you will? You know, how do they inspire people and and, and do things like that and challenge the status quo? So those are all um, things that introverts do very well and I think now is the time for us to listen to that way of doing it.
0: Oh, how exciting. This is definitely going to be on my reading list. It's going to be on my shelf and a resource for me because, you know, you hit it on there at the very beginning and one of the mistakes I've made a handful of times is trying to like, well, I got to be the extrovert. And I failed miserably at that. And it just didn't do anything. And the more that you, you know, nothing good came out of that. And um, the more that you can just, like you said, tap into your natural strengths, the better you're going to be. And um, I don't know, it's exciting, Jennifer, I'm glad that you, you are doing what you're doing and writing about because there are so many introverts out there that I think um, sell themselves short, and like you said, I think they get uh, bypassed um, wrongly. I think you know, or or at least you know. I think you're a source of inspiration and confidence for folks like myself. So I appreciate everything that you're doing.
2: Thank you so much for that. That means a lot coming from you. It really does. And I, and I do hope the extroverts out there will will learn as well and and uh, and, and take these lessons for themselves because we have. Both sides of those dimensions in our personality. It's just a matter of tapping into that for all of us. And so, thank you. I appreciate that, and uh, look forward to being conversations with people. Look out for you know, anybody who wants to follow me on Twitter. Uh, please do a Jen Conweiler. That's J E N N K A H N W E I L E R, and I think you'll be posting some information on the on the podcast. So.
0: Definitely, I'll, I'll try to include links where you're at. But like I said, you got any uh, any website that uh, you want to. Yeah, the new you.
2: website. We're re- we're launching the new website in just a few weeks. But anybody can call. It's Jennifer Pretty uh, <laughs> as long as you can spell Conweiler, you're okay. <laughs> it's a uh, e n n i f e r, and the last name is K a h n w e i l e r. dot com. And you'll find resources on there. We also have a um for the first two months we're, we have a QIQ, Quiet Influence Quotient which comes from the new book, where you can measure uh, the impact in, of your influence and look at ways in which you can address uh, uh, the areas that you're a bit weaker on and use those strengths that you already have. So I'm excited about launching that as well. Lot, lots lot going on, Richard. Lots of you called it. A good time. Well,
0: awesome. Well, we'll have, we'll have you back on. I'd like to you know, have you back in a few months, and we'll see how the new book's doing, and we'll talk about that. Love There's a to. lot more I'd, I'd like love
2: to And I want to applaud you for your efforts in in really focusing in on the lessons of leadership and uh, spreading it far and wide. You're doing a great service. So uh, I'd love to uh, stay in touch with with you as well as your listeners.
0: Definitely. Well, thank you so much.
1: And, uh, Jennifer, thanks for coming on the show today.
2: My pleasure. Thank you so
1: much. Talk to you soon. Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership ebook. A guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.